Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to At Bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. This is John Lyons right now on WEEI. Nico, you can keep that going. We'll just be a music station for a few minutes. I'm sure all our bosses will be happy about that. All right, I'm John Lyons. On WEEI here. Uh, really enjoyed the first hour, Nico. Thanks to all who called in. Thanks to John Serenides on the Harbor One Hotline providing some great invite, insight, if I could get the word right, some great insight from the NFL Combine as well as his interview with Dante Scarnecchia yesterday. We've been talking a little bit about the dynasty, which ironically I wasn't even going to talk that much about today, Nico, and people are pretty fired up about it. We had Eddie from Cleveland last segment, got a bunch of people on the text line. Now we got uh, David in the car. David, you think the dynasty is a joke? I'd like to hear why. Hey, how you doing? Thank you for taking the call. So here's why it's a joke. It's a propaganda. It's a promote. It's Mr. Kraft trying to look good because of the mistakes he's made. He's made some major mistakes, and now he wants to get into a, into a Hall of Fame. Which, to be honest, I'm a Patriots fan. I was a season holder, and I just gave up my tickets. And I'll tell you why. And this is why I say it's a joke. For years, we had Brady. We won. I was there when we didn't have Brady, when we didn't have Belichick, and we stunk, okay? A lot of people hung out out there. The prices went up. They paid it. They didn't complain. And then they started winning. The first two episodes, I just, I'm going to jump back and forth a little bit. The first two episodes were really good. But then they got away from what made the dynasty, which was 03 and 04. That made the dynasty. And, and, and then now it's, it's all about marketing it and it, it turned out to be so far everything else it's not to the point that it should be it, it's like promoting the brand well the brand was brady and belichick and mr Kraft is the problem mr Kraft is this that he likes to he needs to be likable he needs to be loved by the fans and now that he feels for the last few years that he's not being loved by the fans and trust me when i tell you he's not being loved even the season holders they're not loving him like they used to because he didn't prepare in case Brady was to leave. He didn't keep Brady when he should have kept him. So you didn't want to give $25 million for Brady. But you, what, you're going to go give 35 40 for Baker Mayfield? 
Are you serious? Well, David, do you blame Kraft for not giving Brady $25 million, or do you blame yes, Bill I Belichick? Do. Yes, I do. Okay, because I blame I Bill blame Belichick, you, but you. Kraft, I would like to hear I'll why you blame you Kraft. Because he's the owner. I own a business. At the end of the day, when management comes to me, and they have somebody who wants to leave, who gave his notice, and because they're going to go somewhere else to make more money, if I value that person, and I see what the value of that person is and what they've done for the company so far, they don't go anywhere. I overstep whoever is their authority, and I take over. That's what an owner does. And you need to do that. And Mr. Kraft had the opportunity to do that. He didn't do it. He let it go. I don't want to hear, well, Belichick was fully in trouble. Uh, David, your phone is breaking up, so we got to let you go. Uh, But I appreciate the call um, from you. And it's funny because I feel like, Nico, there's a little, there's a, it's not a 50 50 split, but I think a lot of Patriots fans agree that they should have done more on 03 04. I think that was a mistake. But I think beyond that, there's a chunk of Patriots fans that say, hey, we like this behind the scenes stuff, this drama. But then there's others that say, Hey, this is just they they're making Kraft look good and it's sometimes at the expense of Belichick, which I think look, there's an element to that. There is, but we also need to be fair about the facts, too, right? Like Belichick was most responsible for Spygate. That was a stupid thing to do. That's a fact. Now, I am of the mindset, and if you agree or disagree, feel free to call in. I am of the mindset that if the Patriots sucked, Spygate would not have been a story. Because a bunch of other teams did it. Those teams were bad. And it wasn't a story. It's because the Patriots are good and teams in the NFL didn't like them. That's why it was a story. However, facts are facts. They still did it. It was a dumb thing to do. Same thing with Deflategate. If the Patriots, you know, there were other teams. I think the Chargers got caught doing something like that around the same time, right? So it's because they were good. It was a story. So I think it was, I was okay with doing a full episode on Spygate. If they do a full episode on Deflategate, though, I might want to punch myself in the face, Nico. I don't think I could listen to a full hour Oh, they're going pressure. to. Yeah, I, I don't think I could listen to a full hour of that. And you know what? It's funny. I got uh, the good folks at Apple gave me early access to all 10 episodes, but I'm only watching them two at a time because, of course, as you know, Nico, I'm a man of the people. But also, I don't want to spoil anything. So I have not seen the Deflake yet, and I have a little bit of sense of dread around me that they're going to do a full hour on. We have Ted and Haverhill on the line here about the dynasty. Ted, thanks for taking the time. What do you got for us? Yeah, just a couple of thoughts. I've only seen the first two episodes, and I thought they were pretty pretty outstanding, actually. But I think there's, like, a big confusion about, like, Brady getting let go and, like, Belichick being this all-time great coach. Like, without Brady, he's literally less than 500. It's like Tom Brady got all his cronies, too, a lot of money and a lot of coaching gigs in the NFL, whether it be head coaching positions or – Offensive or defensive coordinator position. It's amazing when the greatest, what the greatest player in the history of the game can do for you. Appreciate the call, Ted. And look, I, first of all, I would agree with Ted. The first two episodes I thought were tremendous. The only little quibble to me is the way they fra- framed the Rams' regular season game in 2001. I think they made that a little too dramatic. I think a lot of Patriots fans, myself included, came away from that game thinking, wow, they can compete with the Rams if they just don't you know, fumble the ball inside the five-yard line and throw a couple picks. But I, I think the first two episodes were by far the best two episodes of the series. I, I really liked the Brady stuff and, and the blood, like Bloodsoe and Brewski and Brady and Law early on were great. That story, and I know this is bleeding into episode three of Belichick talking about giving his hotel room to Lawyer Malloy at the Super Bowl. Like, that was great. Uh, all the snowball stuff from 2001 
as well. So, again, I thought the first two episodes were phenomenal. And, of course, as a Patriots fan, they didn't say anything negative, so I really like that, Nico. But, look, I think if we're going to be fair, you know, the 0304 should have been put in, but it is fair to put a Spygate episode in. That was a, that was a huge story. The Hernandez episode I thought was chilling, to say the least, and tragic. And I think it was mostly fair. The only thing I didn't love, and, and I'm, I'm glad the filmmakers put this in, and I didn't love it from Jonathan Kraft, was that kind of insinuation that, oh, Bill cared just about the football player. And even though he might be a murderer, just wanted to keep him like, I didn't really, I didn't love that. I thought that was a little over the top because we never heard that at the time. It's never really been reported, which, and sometimes look, these documentaries reveal new things, but that felt to me a little gratuitous as well as the, oh, well, Belichick didn't trade him at the combine. And that's why he, he killed people. He killed Odin Lloyd. No, Belichick offered to up the team security and Hernandez refused. If Hernandez Hernandez had accepted more team security, they probably would have found out what he was up to, and then he would have gotten in big trouble or he would have got shipped out. He also didn't want that. So I think that's part of the equation, too. Uh, We have Sean and Easton on the line. He wants to talk a little Patriots draft. Sean, thanks for taking the time. Welcome in. Oh, thanks for having me. Um, So, yeah, just talking about the draft. Obviously, the biggest need we have is that, you know, at the quarterback position at uh, number three, but there's uh, plenty of holes to go around. and I'm on the I'm of the mindset. Do you think that they should trade down from three, accumulate some more draft picks, maybe draft one of those later first round QBs, or even you know draft a quarterback later in the second round, bring in a veteran, have the veteran play you know for the year, and then accumulate more talent and um, you know building more fo- towards long term for the future. Yeah, Sean, thanks for the call, and I think it's an interesting question. We were talking about this a little bit in, in hour one. We were talking about this with John Serenides as well when he came on look i'm o- i'm okay with trading down but there's two caveats to that number 1 you have to have the quarterback position figured out if you're going to trade down and what i mean by that is you know do you have a baker mayfield in house or is there a guy that you really like that you can get lower in the draft right so you have to have that figured out and the other caveat is what do the patriots think of jaden daniels cuz i think what the patriots think of jaden daniels and we have what uh, two uh, almost just under two months until the draft. That is, I think, the most important question of the next couple months in the NFL. Because if the Patriots like Jaden Daniels, they'll either pick him at three or trade up to two to make sure they get him. But that's going to be their guy. If they don't like Jaden Daniels, then that really opens the door to me for them to get a veteran who's going to start or you know maybe draft something like trade down like Sean suggested get a J.J. McCarthy, maybe it's Bo Nix, you know, whoever they like. But, again, that's the thing. Like, So they have to have clear answers to those two questions. What do you think of Jaden Daniels, and what are you going to do at the quarterback position? I think that is hugely important because if you don't, if you don't like Jaden Daniels, don't pick him at three. If you do, stay there and pick him. Boom, that's hopefully your answer for 10 years. right? So I, I think that's really important. So thanks for the call, Sean. I appreciate it. Got a couple people on the line here. We have uh, Patrick. In Abington, let's talk a little uh, dynasty stuff. Pat, appreciate you coming on. Now, what do you got for us? Yeah, I appreciate you having me, uh, first time caller. I just have three kind of talking points. It's basically, uh, can you hear me all right? Yeah, I got you now. Awesome. <laughs> I just want to talk about, uh, you know, people think Brady is better than Bill and vice versa. Bill could do about Brady. Uh, I just want to say, I'm not sure if I agree with that, you know? And I don't count Tom Brady's Super Bowl in terms of whatsoever. To me, that's a non-Super Bowl. I care less about it. 
He, it's um, a non-Super Bowl, Patrick? So what are you saying? It's a fake Super yeah, Bowl? Did, like, did it happen in the I Matrix I, or something? <laughs> yeah, Neil was there. Basically, yeah. I don't count it. It happened during COVID. Players were opting out. People weren't even watching games. There weren't fans in the stadium. I want to talk about that and also your thoughts on uh, Giselle, the jiu-jitsu trainer. What do you think about that? <laughs> appreciate that, Pat. Thank you very much for the call. Yeah, maybe Giselle is uh, the modern-day Yoko Ono. I, I don't know. Um, when it comes, And by the way, though, I mean, Nico, if Tom Brady can get cheated on, I don't think there's hope for any other man in the world. No one. No like, one has hope. Unreal, you know? It's, it's, sorry to break your heart, Patrick, if you're calling it too. But uh, like, I think if, if Tom Brady can get cheated on, like, come on. Like, there's no hope for any man in the world. Like, his point, and I think there is something to this, I think things have gone a little too far over, hey, it was all Brady, it was all Brady, Bill wasn't a big part of their success, he was along for the ride. I think that one thing the first couple episodes of the Dynasty showed, and actually I think one thing the Matt Castle episode showed, yeah, that's just not the case. Like, yeah, look, you can say Brady's more important. I, I'll give you that. The quarterback position is more important than coaching in the NFL. We Look, we see that. Andy Reid's a great coach. He didn't start winning Super Bowls till he got Patrick Mahomes, right? And he was a great coach before, don't get me wrong. But it's something that, you know, I, I think it's gone too far. Like, Bill Belichick is the greatest coach of all time, and he built the foundation of a team that won six Super Bowls. Now, you want to tell me Brady was more important? I, I'd agree with you, sure. But there's a there's starting to be a sense of, oh, it was, it was all Brady, Bill was along for the ride, and Robert Kraft was along for the ride. I, I think that's unfair. And that goes too far. You want to tell me it was majority, Brady? You're right. But I think it goes a little bit too far. I do see a couple of you on the phone lines here. We do have to go to break, though. We are going to talk a little bit of Patriots next segment because I see some people on the line. But we have to talk some Celtics. They have a huge game against the Golden State Warriors today. But before all that, it's time. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. A trend. This is John Lyons on WEI. So 
So so is that what makes it the best the best win of the year? Just like, I didn't say the get, best win. They one of the best games. Of one the of the best games of the year. So yeah. so from the, is, from the information that we're able to extract from it, and like we were guarded differently than we have throughout the year, and how we were able to execute in it. So it gives us something to work on. So how were you guarded? That they switched and tried to take away threes and forced us to play uh, dribble drive. And so um, if as long as you take care of the ball and you play physical and you don't turn it over and you get to the free throw line. Uh, we were really, really efficient in the paint, and then once we were able to take away their multiple shot possessions, and then get the certain guys that we wanted to shoot and make sure we contested, then it kind of evened itself out, you know. And so that game can be a misleading game of like, is it math or is it effort? And sometimes it's both, and sometimes it's just you have to keep the effort up until the math plays itself out. And I thought our guys did a good job of that. Let that ride, Nico. We're a music station now. I'm John Lyons on WEI. Back here. We've been talking Patriots pretty much the entire show. A lot of people fired up about the Dynasty series, which I appreciate. We got some uh, texts here as well. Somebody did ask when the Orchids of Asia episode is going to air. I don't think we'll get a full episode on that. Uh, the uh, 401 texter, I do not think we'll get a full episode on that. I don't even know if we'll get a couple minutes. But appreciate the question. You got to go to a different website for that. Yeah, yeah. You can find it, I'm sure. Just, you know, I don't know if you'll find it on Apple Plus. That's all. But I do want to talk Celtics now. Uh, A big regular season game, which I know in the NBA can kind of sound like an oxymoron, an important or a big regular season game, especially for a team that's 45 and 12 and the best team in the NBA. But I think right now, look, first of all, it's Jason Tatum's birthday. But I think right now on his birthday as he turns 26, this is the age guys start to win championships, 26, 27, and up. The Celtics are the best team in the NBA, and they are in the midst of, I think, their most important stretch of the season. So I think you know, coming into the year, there were two stretches that really stood out to me. One was early to mid-December when they had the two-home game against, against Cleveland, the back-to-back against Orlando, then they go to Golden State, because those are games, again, those Cleveland and Orlando games, those are games they lost last year. I know those aren't elite title contenders. Those are teams they played down to last year and they lost. They won that. They went 5-0 and in that homestand earlier this year. And then, of course, they lost Golden State on the road after having a second-half lead. But they bounced back and had a really good rest of that trip. They blew out Sacramento, blew out the Clippers, smoked the Lakers on Christmas Day. But now, to me, and I thought that was a very important stretch, I think they're in the midst of, their most important stretch of the regular season. That's real. Like I believe the Celtics are the best team in the NBA. I believe they're going to win the championship as long as they stay healthy. But I think the next two weeks can really give us some answers if they are as good as I think they are and as a lot of people think they are. Because you have Philly last Tuesday, which was February 27th, and then you have these first two weeks of March. And on that Philly game, we played the Joe Missoula cut. They don't have Embiid, I know, But that was a really important game to me. I agree with Missoula because the Celtics shot 5 of 22 from 3. Season low in attempts, season low in makes. So one thing the Celtics have had trouble with the last couple of years, not the only thing, but one big thing, when they don't hit threes, they've struggled to win. Not saying they can't win, but they have struggled. They did not hit threes in this game, and Philly attempted almost twice as many, and the Celtics still won, and they still won by 18 points. They shot 65% from two and 34-37 from the free throw line. And again, the Celtics are a three-point shooting team. They're going to go to the NBA Finals if they get there, primarily shooting threes. But there's going to be a couple games, maybe one in the second round, 
maybe one in the conference finals, maybe one in the NBA finals, where they're not hitting their threes and they still need to win. And Tuesday night was a really encouraging sign that they can win a game not hitting their threes. And so that was kind of the start of the stretch. And I really look at these first two weeks of March because you had Dallas Friday night. They win by 28. I think it's their 11th victory by 25 or more points, only the third time in franchise history they've had that many. The other two times they did go to the finals. But they have Dallas Friday night. They play great, great in the third quarter. There was a close game as well in the second half, and they pull away. You have Golden State today, Cleveland on Tuesday, Denver on Thursday night, Phoenix on Saturday. Then you have Portland and Utah on the road. Not too bad. But then Phoenix again on the 14th. So these first two weeks, you're playing Dallas, Golden State, Cleveland, Denver, and Phoenix twice. Like Those are all contenders to get to the NBA Finals. Like if Cleveland beats Boston, I think they go to the NBA Finals, right? So Golden State, we know, and I know Golden State's lower in the playoff picture. This is a team, and this is an opportunity today for the Celtics to maybe take a step forward from that. Because in December, they had, a, I think, a 17-point lead against Golden State in the second half of that game, and they lose. And last year, when they lost to Golden State on an ABC Saturday Night primetime game, they played 500 ball the next two weeks. This year, they still lose to Golden State, but they recover and they play really well after and they dominate the rest of their road trip out west, which was good. But the next step, like, can you beat Golden State in a marquee matchup? This is a team, much like Brooklyn was a couple years ago, right? They swept the Celtics a few years ago in the first round. Then the next year, the Celtics came back, swept them in the first round. Actually, I think they beat the Celtics in five in 2021. But then the Celtics come back the next year and beat them. And since then, Kyrie hasn't been able to beat the Celtics. The Nets aren't the same. And, of course, Durant's gone anyway. But this is another game like that. The Celtics have an opportunity. It's still Steph Curry. It's still Draymond Green. It's still Klay Thompson. It's still the team that celebrated winning game six of the finals on this court in Boston. This is an opportunity for them to win a game like that because all the numbers, the Celtics, again, first in offensive, you know, their top three, offensive rating, defensive rating, net rating, only team top three in all three going into yesterday. They are plus 39 in the third quarter since the All-Star break. They've been playing really well start to finish. Porzingis has been like the second coming of Larry Bird mixed with Ray Allen. I'm overstating it a little, but he's been great. So they have been doing all the things they struggled with in the in years past. They have been improving on and now doing. And they've won some big games this year, right? Like I mentioned, you know, beating the Lakers on Christmas Day. That was a big win. Even the Knicks opening night, that's a game, if you watched how that played out, like that's a game they would have lost last year, right? So there's game, but they lost to Oklahoma City on January 3rd. Then they lost to Denver January 19th. They lost to the Clippers January 27th. Why am I bringing those up? They've had a little bit of trouble with elite Western Conference teams. And I I wouldn't put Dallas as an elite team, but Dallas is a playoff team in the Celtics smoke. The Celtics have had no issues with elite Eastern Conference teams. But just since the new year, they've had a little bit of trouble with the really good teams out in the West. And even that Lakers loss with no LeBron and AD, I don't really count that. But this is an opportunity for them to beat a Western Conference team who, yes, I know they're not the one seed. I know they're not the two seed. I understand that. But it's still Golden State. It's still a team that has given the Celtics problems year after year. It's still the team that beat them in the finals. It's still the team that beat them after being down 17 points earlier this year. So this, to me, this is a great opportunity for the Celtics on Jason Tatum's birthday to build on what they've been doing in this 
huge stretch of basketball. I mean, if they come out of this stretch, and I'm just I'll include the Philly game: Philly, Dallas, Golden State, Cleveland, Denver, Phoenix. Even from you know February 27th to March 9th, six games. If they come out of that stretch five and one, but the one loss is to Golden State, I'm still going to be a little bit frustrated because again, it's it's a team that has given them so many problems. All right now, if they come out five and one overall, I'm still going to be happy. But it's just I, this is an opportunity for them to beat a team that they have had a lot of trouble with in recent years. We're actually going to have Bobby Kravitsky of SI, who covers the Celtics, joining us momentarily to talk about this. But again, this stretch, these two weeks, I think is massively important for the Boston Celtics. And you can't always, he can't, you can't always glean a lot from the regular season. This is the one time, I think, or not the one time, but the biggest time this regular season where I think you really can get some answers. Because if they go through this stretch and they play really well, I'm going to feel even better about my thoughts on them going to the NBA Finals and winning the championship. And speaking of Bobby Kravitsky of SI, he joins us now on the Harbor One Hotline to talk about the Celtics and Celtics Warriors today. Bobby, I appreciate you taking the time. How are you doing today? John, thanks for having me. Doing great on my end. Excited for a 2022 Finals rematch at the Garden this afternoon. How's everything on your end? Oh, not too bad. We've uh, been talking quite a bit of Patriots today, Bobby, but I'm glad to have you on because we started this segment Celtics, and I really want to get some of your insight here as someone who covers the team. I feel like right now they're in the middle of a massive stretch, the first couple weeks of March, and you can go back to that Philly game the other night too in late February, but they're playing a lot of elite teams and a lot of really good Western Conference teams. What are your thoughts on this stretch that they're kind of like? Is this? Do you think this could tell us a lot about how good the Celtics really are? Yeah, I think there's a lot of measuring tests in here, and we still don't know. Steph Curry remains questionable for this afternoon with right knee bursitis, so his status not determined just yet. That obviously changes the outlook on this matchup, but this one means a lot to the Celtics in particular because of their recent history with Golden State, including what happened when they went to the Bay earlier this season and the way that they dropped that game where Steph had 13 points and five fouls going into the fourth quarter. And then all of a sudden he just erupted. And quite frankly, they blew Boston's doors off in the final frame and overtime. And so that game is one going to Denver after what happened here, where they handed the Celtics their first loss on the parquet this season. And everyone looking at, if it goes chalk, that's most likely the finals that we're going to get come June, Boston versus Denver. They are the two best teams, make no mistake about it. Phoenix, still struggling to figure it out, but you understand the talent they have. So there's some injuries going on there, like Golden State. But if they're healthy, that's a big one. And even in the East, coming up, they have the Cavaliers on Tuesday as well as they're playing. So this stretch, you're absolutely right, both from the West and the teams they'll see in the East, is very important as Boston continues to get sharp for the playoffs. And you mentioned that loss to Denver earlier this year. In January, they also got smoked by the Clippers in January, and they lost on the road to OKC. Bobby, is that just a coincidence of, like, they played three really good teams and they happen to lose? Or is there something about those really good Western Conference teams that you think has given them trouble? I think there's elements of that as well as some fatigue related to being on the road for a little bit, going into the Thunder game, and then also just coming back off a long trip when they played the Clippers. And so I I think that they were pretty exhausted for in particular that Saturday night matchup against LA, but also those are two of the top teams in the league. I keep saying about Los Angeles, James Harden in this role 
they can replicate the success they're having. I know they just blew that game to the Lakers recently, but what they've been doing translates to the postseason and will work for them. So that is a very impressive team that's built in a comparable way to Boston. So, yeah, absolutely, it's not just a product of one thing, and that being fatigue. And then the same goes for the Thunder with Shea Gilgis-Alexander was phenomenal in that game. A part of it was the Celtics have their shooters that they're willing to live off of, and Josh Giddy was making them that night, so you tip your cap and you walk away. But there's certainly more to the story. And I, I talked to Joe Missoula about this on the heels of that loss, where it just seemed like some of those misses at the rim were really hurting the Celtics' transition defense that night against the Thunder team that can fly up and down the court and likes to push the pace. So there's certainly elements of things that they have to clean up if they were to see one of them in the finals. Yeah, I think those are good points, Bobby. And I think in fairness, too, Kristaps Porzingis didn't play in that Clippers game as well. So that obviously had a big impact. Look, today's Jason Tatum's birthday, Bobby. There's been some talk, and he's addressed it a little bit, about MVP consideration. And you mentioned SGA. They're obviously going to play Denver and Jokic coming up this week. Do you look at Jason Tatum as the MVP of the NBA? No, I think he deserves more consideration, and there's been so much attention and chatter about his candidacy now that he's moving up the rankings. But as far as who I would actually give it to, if we're voting today, I would give it to Shea Gilgis-Alexander, what he's doing every single night for a Thunder team that is far outperforming expectations coming into the season. I think he deserves it at the moment. But Jason Tatum, he's not just the best player on the best team in the NBA. He's also doing this in a complete all-around fashion. And we talk about his sacrifice as a scorer. He's still putting up nearly 28 a night. So it's not like he's putting up 15 as a result of playing as a part of the most talented top six the league has to offer. What he's doing defensively, even for when he matched up against Luka Doncic, he did really well against him. He locked down Jalen Brunson at Madison Square Garden, national television game on a Saturday night, and the list goes on and on. He was easily Boston's best defender against Shea Gilgis-Alexander, and a lot of these other MVP candidates, you cannot say the same about how they have an all-around impact on the game. Yeah, and that's I'm glad you brought up Tatum's defense because I think that's an area that, you know, there was always effort there, but I think there's been a lot of growth over his career, and now he's just a really good defender, and I think that's been lost a little bit in how good the Celtics' offense is. They've been an elite defensive team essentially the entire year, and, and I think a guy that has a big impact impact on that has been Chris Stapps Porzingis. And when the Celtics lost Robert Williams, there was a fear that they would lose that shot blocking and some of that, you know, pick and roll type defense. But how would you assess like Chris Stapps Porzingis on the defensive end? You can mention his offensive game, of course, if you want to. But have you seen him like really make an impact defensively like I have? Oh, tremendously. What they can do with him, and it is mostly out of drop coverage, but they'll spin the dial with him. And a part of the sacrifice that everyone's making is he'll step out of his comfort zone and operate. He'll roam like a free safety at times. They'll mix it up. They even they typically, I'll get into what I think is the driving force of why I have more confidence in Boston's defense than any of the other top teams, but they switched up from what I'm about to lay out there to even start to blitz more in the second half Saturday against Doncic and the Mavericks, and he had no problems with it. So it's very impressive, his versatility at that end of the floor, and how he's taking on different roles than he's accustomed to 
in prior years for him while also being one of the most important communicators in this defense. It speaks to his basketball IQ, which doesn't garner a ton of attention. Drew Holiday quarterbacks the defense, but to have someone who's seven foot three protecting the rim, you also need to be able to communicate and position people in the right spots and how they go through and navigate screens. And he's been very important to that. Now, forgive me for being long-winded here, John, but I do That's think the most right, important Bob. part. <laughs> thank you. So the Celtics rank third in defensive rating, but I have more confidence in them than any of the other top five even because what they have is a unique ability that you rarely find in NBA history, and that is they don't have to put two on the ball, meaning when someone comes off a screen, they can navigate that without having to give up a numbers disadvantage that every team is trying to create on a per-possession basis. And on top of that, when you have guys like Derek White and Drew Holiday in the perimeter defense that Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are applying this season, you also get elite defenders at recovering when they do get beat. So you've got the ability to dictate terms of play because you don't have to be all of a sudden giving up these four-on-threes, for example, where you're on the wrong end of the math equation. You have guys like Derek White, who when he gets beat, still continues to be able to block people from behind at the rate that makes him, you know, I have a friend who jokingly calls Derek White the best center in the NBA because of his rim-protecting abilities. And then you have Porzingis there as well at 7-3 lurking. So the, the Celtics just to me, they have fewer questions and more advantages defensively than any other team. We're talking with Bobby Kravitsky, who covers the Celtics for SI. Bobby, the Celtics, in their, since the All-Star break, are plus 39 in the third quarter. They've been great. And that's an area that, you know, over the last several years, they've really struggled in the third quarter. Have you seen them doing anything differently in the third quarter? And if you want to go back to before the All-Star break, fine. But it, especially since the All-Star break, has there been anything differently they've done to be so good in the third quarter since then? I really think it's a matter of energy and focus and being able to translate and not stray from what worked in the first half. That was really the root of it, where they were losing the battle in terms of hustle to start the second half consistently. The other team was playing with more energy, and the Celtics would get off script, and that consistently is detrimental. I don't care who you are. And I I think Joe Mazzula deserves a ton of credit because as much as it's about the players have to act on it, I think it's another example of their head coach's ability to not just identify what do we need to work on that could come back to bite us in the playoffs, but to get it through to the point where the team is acting on it. And so that's what we've seen here since the all-star break with how the Celtics are playing in the third quarters, because if it just remained a problem all regular season, it would be one of the most glaring talking points for this team and what might be their Achilles heel in the playoffs. Yeah. Needless to say, Bobby, I have less to talk about since the all-star break with their third quarter dominance, (laughs) but you mentioned Joe Missoula, and this is a pivotal you know, second year for him. Last year he's thrown in you know, a week before training camp starts. He becomes the head coach. Now, I feel like there's been a lot of growth from Joe Missoula this year, but he's got Porzingis now. He's got Holiday now, Sam Cassell and Charles Lear behind the bench. How would you assess Joe Missoula and his growth to this point this season? I, I think he's made a huge leap, but really it stems from two things. One is that last season he described as being in survival mode, which everyone knows the context of how he became the head coach and is right before training camp. You can understand that outlook being at the helm of a title contender all of a sudden while you're the youngest active head coach in the league. This season he really gets to put his imprint on the team. And so 
it's not just about taking and making the most threes in the NBA. It's about being able to win more on the margins and create the highest margin of error possible for this team. So what you see all the time is they crash the corners. Usually it's guards, but from Xavier Tillman on down, whoever's in the corners is going to crash the glass and try to create extra possessions and more opportunities for this team. That's how you help to overcome if you're not shooting as well from beyond the arc or a night like against Philadelphia where they only made five threes, their fewest since 2018. This is how you continue to win and overcome that. And they have so many different advantages all of a sudden that Missoula is helping them tap into that this is not just last season was way more of a live and die by the three operation. This one is about whatever the best possible shot is. Let's go hunt that. Last question for you, Bobby. Do the Celtics get the monkey off their back and beat Golden State today? Well, I mean, I, I think this one comes with an asterisk. If Stephen Curry ultimately is ruled out, he played, I believe it was 30 minutes against Toronto the other night. Steve Kerr said that Steph is really tired coming out of the all-star break. So we'll see what happens on the Curry front, and that's going to change things. But I will say this. I, I'm predicting that the Celtics, we know how motivated they're going to be to get this win. I think they're going to be pretty amped up for it. And, look, they've been beating teams by – just over 19 points during this 10-game win streak. No one in the NBA has enjoyed that long of a success, you know, that many victories in a row this season, and they're bludgeoning teams like they just did to the Mavericks the other night. And so ultimately, I do think the Celtics win this game with or without Steph Curry in the lineup, but they're also playing a Golden State team, John, that is much better than the one that beat them in the Bay earlier this season. All right, he is Bobby Kravitsky, covers the Celtics for SI. You can find him on Twitter, at Bobby Kravitsky. Bobby, appreciate you taking the time, and thanks for your insight. My pleasure, John. All the best. Awesome. That was Bobby Kravitsky of SI. Yeah, look, I think if Steph Curry doesn't play, obviously there's a little bit of an asterisk today. Uh, and if he does play, then there would not be. But I, I think this is still an important game in that it's still Clay Thompson, it's still Draymond Green, still Steve Kerr, even if Steph doesn't play. And, of course, if Steph plays, it's Steph freaking Curry. And it's a team that's given you a lot of trouble, and it's another good, talented Western Conference team that they've had a little bit of trouble with here since January. So I think pivotal matchup today for the Celtics and a great opportunity for them to take another step forward as they pursue Banner 18. Believe it or not, we have the final segment of the show coming up next. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. John Lyons on WEEI. Back here on WEI final segment. I'm John Lyons. Big thank you to Bobby Kravitsky of SI for joining us last segment. John Serenides for joining us last hour if you missed any of the show we talked baker mayfield we talked patriots we talked dynasty talked celtics you can find it on the odyssey app you can find it on weei.com feel free to go back and give that a listen 
And we've got a couple things I want to hit on here in this final segment. One, I don't know if you saw this NFLPA report card for the Patriots where it's the type of report card that if you brought it home to your parents, uh, you, you might want to just kind of hide under the covers because treatment of families, F minus, no family room. We got a B minus in food and nutritionist, but C minus locker room, C training room, training staff, B minus, weight room, F, strength coaches, C minus, travel, D, head coach was a B minus, which looks good, but it would actually rank 27th overall. So bad. And ownership, D plus. So we have a lot of stuff like, and look, this is something like the Chiefs graded out as bad ownership too. I, I get it. So it's like you can still win having this stuff, but like if I'm the Patriots, like no family room, a not good enough weight room. Like, I don't know, is this where the lighthouse and video board money came from? Like, no, I, like, I don't know what's going on. John, if I brought that report card home, I would have been living on the street at 16. Yeah, I don't even know if I would have brought it home. I might have just pretended like it didn't exist. Like, oh, no, Mom, they didn't do report cards today. I promise. Yeah, I mean, this is brutal. And look, I appreciate the players being honest and grading them tough. That's a good thing. And a lot of players graded their teams tough. I mean, F minus in treatment of families, that's brutal. F in weight room, brutal. Like, and... Weight room is one thing that actually does correlate to winning. Like, you can tell me that how nice the locker room doesn't matter, how nice the training room, you know, doesn't really correlate to winning. It's, you know, the training staff and more about that. How good you travel doesn't really make a big difference on winning. How good your weight room is does make a difference on winning. Like, come on. Like, I know these guys train in the offseason by themselves, but, like, you're doing lifts, you're doing team workouts. Like, you do need to have a good weight room. Like, that has a direct correlation on winning, and especially now that you don't have Tom Brady or Bill Belichick, and you're not you know, in the AFC Championship game every year, you got to improve some of this stuff. And speaking of the crafts and things that they own, Nico, you're a big Revs guy. I believe uh, yes, I am. You're going to the game today. Correct. All right. So let's do something I normally don't do. Let's spend a couple minutes talking about the Revs, Nico. So season's just underway. Do I have any more hope for the Revs to be good than I would say the Patriots? You know that clip from the office of michael scott when he's like no question about it i'm ready to get her again that's yeah. how i feel about every revolution season when it starts up pretty much yeah they do have a habit of like going deep in the playoffs and not winning at all yeah they, they won't win it again i'll tell you that right now i know for a fact they won't win but they'll win enough games during the regular season to really give you hope so that was going to be my next question give me like a little revs preview here right so for people that maybe don't know the revs as much don't listen or, or watch the revs as much what should they look for if they watch today's game? Pretty much what you got to look for for the Revolution is who's going to step up at that number nine spot, their striker. Right now, Giacomo Veroni is seemingly the guy. He was here last year under Bruce Arena. Wasn't seemed to be a favorite of management. Um, they didn't love playing him. He didn't see a ton of minutes, didn't succeed well in the system, struggled to score goals, which obviously that's what you're looking for from your striker is goal scoring output. They have all the guys to great chances. They just need a guy who can finish in the box. Veroni hasn't been that so far. He actually won't be playing today because he got a red card 25 minutes in to their first game of the season against DC. And getting a red card's bad enough, but as a striker, that early in the game, and as a striker, period, you really should not be getting a red card. It was just reckless, dumb. Head was in the game. He made stupid tackles. You mentioned tackles. Bruce Arena. So he's gone. Coaching situation, like it's... 
I can't imagine that they would find an upgrade from Bruce Arena. So they definitely haven't found an upgrade with Caleb Porter, but this is a guy who's won MLS Cups in okay. Columbus and Portland. So I think this is really what was out there for coaches. This He was top of my wish list for the Revolution. I think this is a good sign-in. And in CONCACAF Champions Cup play, the Revolution advanced to the round of 16. That already started up. So they got through the round of 32, looked good in those two legs. Um, but in MLS, today's a big one. Revolution are usually very good at home. It hasn't mattered who's been the coach. Like, this has been a thing for years now. The Revs are dominant at home. I expect them to win today. But the big question all season is, will the Revolution invest money into the team and get a striker? It's or funny, is someone uh, go step up? There's another team at Gillette Stadium. I think people ask the same question. About I'll, I'll tell you this. They sold their goalkeeper for a rumored last year, Petrovic, MLS best goalkeeper, wanted to leave the club, went to Europe. It was rumored to be somewhere around $20 million to maybe $15 million. That money has not been invested back ah, in the team. Ah, okay. So we got the big video board at Gillette Stadium and a goalie sold for $20 million. How about that? Well, believe it or not, Nico, we are already at the end of the show today. So we sad. Do, we do have Red Sox baseball coming up today. They are well into spring training. They beat the Nationals 4-2 to two yesterday. They're going to take on the Toronto Blue Jays today. Believe it or not, we're only like three and a half weeks or so to opening day. So it's coming. I'm John Lyons. That was Nico. Thank you very much for joining us. Have a great rest of your day. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.